Right. Here we are. Welcome back to the Damn Right Sports Podcast. It has been a while, and I do apologize for that. Just been manic trying to get stuff out with work, and I know the elephant in the room is I said there'd be a lot of stuff to talk about with the World Cup, and, um, well, I'm slowly finding the strength to make a video on the Rugby World, on the rugby world Cup, the Cricket World Cup, um, because we are we bottled it, basically, and worst of all, the Aussies have won it, because... You know, I thought to myself in my little naive brain, you know, oh, World Cup, we'll have that easily. And then we'll go to the Ashes and we'll get destroyed in Australia, which is going to happen. Um, but then I'd be, you know, us English fans would be able to say, well, we won the World Cup. You know, that's something. Um, however, we didn't win the World Cup. And we're not going to win the Ashes. So it's not a great time to be an England cricket fan at the moment, to be honest. Um, but we're not here to talk about the cricket. We might talk about that in a few days if I can... If I can muster up the strength to talk about that bottle job game against New Zealand. Um, But we're here to talk about England versus Australia, which happened on Saturday. It was a good game of rugby. It really was. The scoreline in the end, I I think not reflecting the match itself, but we'll get to that later. I want to talk about... Now, I did record a sort of preliminary... like When the teams came out, I looked at the teams and I made a little six, seven minute pod on that. Actually, it was longer than that because I was ranting about it, to be honest. When I looked at the team, the first thing I thought was, Eddie Jones, what are you on? I, I genuinely start, I was really getting fed up with these, you know, crazy team selections. And the elephant in the room, but for me, not the biggest problem with the squad. Tuolagi at 14, for me, was not the biggest problem with the squad, but that is the main one that, you know, a lot of people are speaking about. And you look at it. Let's go through a starting lineup. Bevan Rod, well, actually, well, it was supposed to be Genj, but Genj got um, COVID. So, Rod... George, Sinclair, Itoje Hill, Laws Underhill, Curry 8, uh, Ben Youngs, Marcus Smith at 10, Farrell at 12, Slade at 13, Johnny May and Tuolagi on the wings, Freddie Stewart at 15. The bench being Blamaya, Davison, um, honestly haven't got the other, the other props uh, name written down, um, Charlie Yules, Alex Dombrandt, Sam Simmons, Rafi Quirk and Max Malins. Now, the main issue there is, uh, or the one everyone talks about, is Tuolagi at 14. Now, Tuolagi has played on the wing before, you know, for England. However, when I first looked at this, I went, uh, Manny Tuolagi, the last time he played on the wing was about 23, 24. He's now 32, 31. You know, he's not a young man. However, you go into all these stuff going into it and all these pundits were going, oh, it'll be fine because Tuolagi's quickest he's ever been because he's lost some he's lost some, uh, lost some, some weight. It's not the point. He's not a winger. He's not a winger. But I didn't, did I look at that and think Manny Tuolagi was going to stand at 14? on that right wing, the way Anthony Watson has stood at 14 for many years. No. I knew there'd be something going on. But for me, the main problem when I first saw this was how happy was I to see Marcus Smith at 10? I was elated. I was so excited. Then I saw Farrell at 12. And I was crushed because the problem that we had with Ford Farrell, there was nothing, there's no power in that midfield because you had Slade at 13. If, let's just think about it, Basics-wise, if you're going to have Smith and Farrell at 10 and 12, who is a better running threat out of Slade and Tuolagi? It's obviously Tuolagi. I did not know why Tuolagi was not a 13. If he was so persistent to run Smith, Farrell, 10, 12, okay, put the actual centre. Because here's the thing with Henry Slade. He's not a centre. He's been moved there. He was a 10. He's an extra pair of eyes, you know, in inverted commas, as they call it. 
uh, you know, as, as the rugby minds call it. He's not a running threat centre. You have, at 10, 12 and 13, essentially three fly halves. Essentially what you have there. And I looked at that and I went, what are we doing? Because if we go back to the Tonga game, I know it was against Tonga, but um, Tuolagi at 12 and Slade at 13 was a brilliant combo. It looked so good with Farrah at 10. Put Smith at 10. How exciting could that have been? But we didn't get to find out. Um, incidentally, it went all right. But when I looked at that, I went, what are you doing? When we have the squad depth that England have at international level, you there is no reason for players to be playing out of position. At, like whatsoever to a laggy like ugh, it bugged me but did we when in the game did we see him line up on the wing much no that's not the point the point is okay I, they, they had a good game smith and farrow had a good game it was a great game for england it was a good game but i really wanted to see what it would have been like with smith at first receiver obviously to a laggy 12 slay to 13 I really want to see that, and we didn't get to see that against Australia. However, we've got much tougher games coming up, which I'm sure we're going to lose, because Eddie's probably going to do some wacky team selection again um, and mess it all around. But, okay, now we'll move on to the second. My The biggest problem I had with the team was this this back row issue. Now, Itoja, that, that type five that he selected, I know Genj went out because of COVID, obviously, but Genj, George, Sinclair, Itoja Hill is the type five I want. I really like that because I want Courtney Laws playing at six at the moment. I like a big six. I've spoken about this a lot before. I like a second row who can play at six. And especially one with somebody of the quality. And the form Courtney Laws is in is incredible. He's playing amazing rugby. Um, he had such a good game against Australia. Such a good game. Um, and then Sam Underhill at seven. Curry at eight. Now, I do not want to see Tom Curry playing at eight anymore. And for the simple reason is, he's not as big a carrying threat as an Alex Dombrand and a Sam Simmons are. That's just the truth. As good as Curry carry, he did carry really well um, on Saturday. And so did Underhill, actually, surprisingly. Underhill's not known for his carry. He's more known for his defence, obviously. But they both carried well. However, it's simple mathematics. Who's going to carry better? Tom Curry or the two best number eights in the league, being Dombrand and Simmons? Why are they on the bench? What, like, what are you doing? There's, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Curry Underhill when in the World Cup when Curry was at six Underhill was at seven was a good combination when Billy was on form. However, Curry is a better player than Underhill. I think at, during the World Cup you could have said Underhill Curry. You could have said which ones were better. There could have it was up for debate about who was better. However, it's not up for debate at the moment. Curry's a better player. He's in better form. In my opinion, he should be the future England captain. I've spoken about this before, but I think he should be. I think he will be the next captain when you know uh, Eddie Jones can finally pluck up the courage to drop. Farrell for one game, uh, but that's a video. That is a video for another day. Um, when you have Sam Simmons and Alex Donbrandt on the bench, one of them must start at eight. It's, it's simple. There is no reason for them not to start. I know you want to get Curry Underhill in the game, but they're not doing the crazy turnovers every two seconds like they were years ago. That's just the truth. So you don't need them both there. Or if you want to have them both in the back row, which I fully understand because they're both amazing players, take Johnny Hill out, move Laws to four. Uh, move Laws to five, sorry, put Curry at six, Underhill at seven, and then bring an actual carrier, a proper carrier, somebody who carries for a living um, in an eight. It just did not make any sense to me why that happened. And I know they had good games and we won, but I want to see Don Brandt start. When he came on, he made some really good carries. He made a good impact. And do I feel sorry for Sam Simmons in that there was all this hype around him? For good reason, though. He's a great player. You know, had a fantastic season in the Premiership in the past couple of years. All this hype around Dombra, uh, all this hype around Simmons, sorry, 
And then Dombrat wins the league, and all of a sudden people are calling for Dombrat to start at eight. I want to start Dombrat. I want a bigger player. And I know everyone says because the whole the whole issue with Sam Simmons has been for his throughout his whole career been he's not big enough to play number eight, and they're all like, oh, but he's powerful. I don't really care if he's powerful because I want Dombrat because Dombrat's about you know five six inches taller and heavier. Um, and he's also quick, and he's also got great hands. I know he's got as quick as Simmons, but what would have been fun actually would have been Simmons as a uh, backup backup center. That would have been good. That would have been good to watch. Uh, good to watch. Sorry, um, but yeah, I didn't get what was going on with that Eddie in the next game. I want to see Dombrant at eight or Simmons at eight. I'll be happy with both of them. I prefer Dombrant. I want to see Tom Curry at seven um, or six if you're going to have Underhill at seven. But for me, there's just there's just no need to to mess around with the back row that much because Curry's just out of position. He's not having the same impact that he would do at seven. And people have said to me, oh, we can do the same stuff he does at seven just while carrying the ball more. No, because he's carrying. He's taking, oh, you know, silly things like that. Um, but we'll talk about some highlights. I'm not going to go through and do individual ratings for every single player um, simply because it it wasn't that kind of game, to be honest. It wasn't a super close game. Uh, England never looked out of control. Or should I say... Australia never looked in control. They were horrible. I don't know what was going on. What is going on with Australian rugby? Um, I think that's the last seven test matches we've won against them or something I saw on that. Um, I didn't think Australia were going to have a chance, to be honest, because they had James O'Connor, the bottle job at 10. Somehow that man is 34 years old and he still looks about 12. I I, I don't get it. Um, he might not be 30, but you got what I mean. Um, yeah, I didn't have a... Curtly Beale. Uh, bro, retire. Like, they're retired, obviously, but, you know, they're, they're playing players and they didn't have Corabetti, they didn't have Karevi, they weren't going to be the team they could have been. What we should be talking about, though, Nick White is a quality, he's a quality rugby player, he really is, and that Tash is, is phenomenal. Um, but that's not the point. We're going to go through some of the standout players. I want to talk about Bevan Rod. Uh, I believe it was his debut, if not, it was one of his first games. I think he had a good game. I really do think he had a good game. He's, again, I, I spoke about this earlier with, uh, earlier, uh, in a previous pod about Bristol. Um... Player Max Laheef, you know, a kind of new age of prop. Bevan Rod is not like the bit. He's compared to props of old. Compared to Carl Sinclair, he looks like a skinny bloke. You know, this. I think this is going to be a trend we're going to see going forward. I think he had a decent game. Gave away that stupid penalty early on. That is not the way to start your international career. Is giving a stupid blocking penalty when the ref's going to, you know, the ref's obviously going to call it. Um, I think Atoji had a great game. I re I really, really, really think Atoji had a great game. But the standout in the forward to me was Courtney Laws. He's just phenomenal. At the line-out, he's so good. And also, the thing with Courtney Laws is, if you Google Courtney Laws or you think about Courtney Laws, someone's going to say big hits, which is true. He has been known for his big hits over the years. He hasn't put any crazy hits in the international game for a while. And now he's really going to his advantage because people, well, I mean, people are looking for them, but people aren't seeing the other stuff he's doing. Um which they're going to start seeing. People are starting to pick up on the stuff he's doing because they've kind of gone, wait, Courtney Laws doesn't just hit people hard? Yeah, he doesn't. He's a quality rugby player. Um, and I'm loving it. Uh, under, as I said, Underhill and Curry both carried really well. I was I, as, like, I was quite surprised to see Underhill carry so well. Um, but it was good to see. Talk about the backs. Ben Young's just playing some really good rugby. He is really playing some really good rugby at the moment. And that's kind of worrying. Not worrying, but... I know everyone, people have been calling for Youngs to be out the England team for three years. And I admit, a couple of years ago, you probably could have taken him out because he really was playing some uninspiring rugby. But he is playing good at the moment. And as exciting as Rafi Quirk and Harry Randall and Alex Mitchell look, Ben Youngs has got the experience. There was no, there was no way that 
because people have been calling for Randall and Quirk to start in these games. Obviously, if if Randall wasn't injured, um, you know, if it was between one of those two, they would have said, "Why well, give him a start?" With the experience Youngs has got, there's obviously he's going to start. I think he he deserves to keep that spot. Um, so it might take longer for you know a Quirk, a Randall, a Mitchell to break into that starting lineup in the in the you know the high profile games like these. Um, might take longer than we thought because if Ben Youngs can play like he is now, you know, and try and get the ball out quick which is what he has struggled to do in the past few years, it's, we might see him there for longer. You know, I want to see him get up to... how many? He's over 100, ca- he's over 100 caps, which is crazy. Um, I want to see him keep going. I actually, I'm, I'm enjoying watching Ben Youngs play. Uh, 10, Marcus Smith, phenomenal. He had the game that I expected him to have. And some people might not say he had the best game. I think he had a cracking game. And it was really interesting to see. Now, I know there was all that talk about, you know, the Farrell Slade to a laggy Smith nonsense with the people being out of position, all that. If you watch the interview that Eddie Jones had and they were saying, you know, they were, everyone was focusing on to a laggy, to a laggy, to a laggy, to a laggy. And all just Eddie Jones had to say was they're going to be moving and mixing and matching. As soon as I heard that, I knew there was a plan in place and it worked. It was kind of cool to see at a point, you know, sometimes Slade was a first receiver. Sometimes it was Smith. Sometimes it was Farrell. You know, you had sometimes Smith lined up on the wing. I kind of like that. I can see it going wrong <laughs> because it obviously has only been tried once in a test match. Um, but I kind of liked it. It was interesting to see. Um, the only reason why I had that rant at the beginning about the selection was that was me, you know, before the game watching it. Um, those feelings came out. But do I want to see it happen again with two like at 14? Probably not. It was it was a fun experiment, but I just don't see it working against the likes of South Africa and New Zealand. Speaking of New Zealand, uh, what a loss. Uh, great win for Ireland. Either way, moving on. Um, yeah, I think Smith had a great game. He's so electric. He just... He's so good. And it's fantastic to see. He's the clear choice to play at 10 from now on. I don't think it's close. Farrell's a great player. I People think that I don't like Farrell because I want Smith in. And there are a lot of people who really don't like Farrell as a player. I really like Farrell, and I think he's fantastic. But I think we just need to see what Smith can do at 10 with two actual centres outside of him. I think with Henry Slade at 13, with a centre like Farrell, with, uh, with a, a non-proper centre, because Farrell isn't a proper centre, let's be real. Um, if you have Slade at 13 with someone like Farrell inside him, Slade is not nowhere near as well utilised as if you had two Alagi inside him, you know? Um, or if you had two Alagi at 12 and Marchant at 13, I really want to see that because Marchant's a genuine 13 or winger i want to see that combination that's the combination i really want to see um but yeah smith had a great game uh farrell did play well you can't deny that kicking mr kick that he really shouldn't have missed but the one of the main stories in that back line um was freddie stewart i really think he's going to be a quality player going forward and i know people have been saying this for a while because when people were making these teams when jones released that first summer squad or whatever and they saw stewart they went stewart is my nailed on fullback and i went hang on uh, sorry, where are you getting this from? It's up for debate. You know, my boy Maxi Malins, um, he's got a chance to be playing at 15. I still think he does. I really do. As good as Stuart played, I think if Malins gets that chance, he really has got a shout. But either way, um, everyone was talking about Stuart's nailed on. I went, really? And I watched him play, and I so understand it. He was so good. He was excellent. He had a great game, getting a try, really good under the high ball. Although I think the commentators kind of blew it out of proportion. There were a couple of times where he was basically uncontested, and as a fullback, you're supposed to be able to catch that. Um, and it also was reinforced by the fact that Tua Lagi dropped, you know, an absolute sitter that came towards him. Um, but yeah, Stewart looked really assured of the high ball, looked really good in the run again. I like a big fullback. I I really quite like that because if you look at Stewart, you saw him running. You went, he's not, he's not very small. He's quite big, and I quite like that. 
Um, and I think he's going to be a fantastic player going forward because it is great. Because I the thing with George Furbank is he's a great Premiership player. There there was a a piece that came out that I think BT did it um, maybe a year ago, two years ago, and it was talking about the jump up between the Premiership and international. And when Furbank has played for England, he just hasn't. Other, against Tonga at ten, that's a, we can't we, we can't really use that comparison because he's not a ten, um, and that was against Tonga, and that was kind of a last notice. We won't talk about that. But when he played at fullback, couple, I know that was a couple of years ago, but Stewart just really adapted well and did not look out of place um, in a test match, starting at fullback, which is a serious position to be playing. Not that not that any of the positions aren't, but you know, fullback especially has got a lot of pressure on it. And I think he had a great game. I really do. I'm going to give him a nine for that. Um, We'll talk about Manu Tuolagi because I really do think he is one of our best. When fit, he, ha- he I think he's genuinely one of the only... In this starting lineup, going forward, when fit, I think Tuolagi and Marcus Smith are the only two players that have to be nailed on. To be honest, I think as no matter what I said about Ben Young's just then, if I saw a young player in that, I'd get excited about it. Um, if I saw a new co- centre combination of Farrell and Slade, I'd be really excited. Um, if I saw a new fullback try, e.g. Malins, if I saw other wingers in that, I'd be excited. But Tuolagi for me has to play um, at centre. Sorry, if I saw another centre with him, should I say, um, I'd be. I think Tuolagi has to be nailed on because he is a game breaker. Uh, because there are not many players in the world who have that much power and that much speed. Uh, yeah, he's just fantastic. There's not really much you can say about Manu. Um, we'll talk about the bench a little bit. They didn't really get a chance to show what they had to be honest. Um, Jamie Ballard, I just think that's fan- that's why I love rugby. That is why I love rugby. <laughs> You've got um, the hooker, you know, running half the pitch to get that try at the end. Was it six tries in four games? Fantastic. I think he is the first forward in English rugby history to score um, a try in four consecutive test matches. <laughs> uh, in four consecutive, yeah, that's just brilliant. Um, Quirk didn't really get a chance to show what he can do. He didn't really have much time. We, I, don't, I can't really fault him on anything. Um, and Maylins, again, didn't really get a chance to do much, to be honest. Hopefully, they're going to get some more ch- time in another game. Maybe next game, we'll see maybe two laggy moving to the centre and Maylins on the wing. Because the thing with Max Maylins is it's a really interesting situation. I know I've spoken about this before in Bristol videos, but it is a really interesting situation because he started off as a 10, and then at Saracens, they didn't have any room for him. Then they put him at fullback, and that kind of worked. And then he went to Bristol, and Charles Piertow can't, you know, he's kind of there. Sheedy's at 10. Um, so they put him on the wing, and he's got, he has got gas. Max Maylands is quick. He re- genuinely could be a player who could play at 10 or on the wing, or he could be an Austin Healy type player. Just so many positions, it could be his downfall. I really hope that's not the case because he's so talented. Um, but yeah, Maylands, I like that. I think England looked really good. This has been quite a. A badly structured podcast, I'll be honest. I just want to get something out because I know I haven't got something out for a while. Um, but I am really excited for the future of English rugby. This game genuinely instills some hope in me because it wasn't like a clue. Because if we came out with these new players, I know there's actually not that many new players in here, but there are some. I think the main one that we're getting is Marcus Smith playing at 10. That's the biggest issue that we need to address right now, and it's being addressed, which is fantastic. Um, if we hadn't won this game by a lot, if we if we had lost this game, obviously it would have been bad. But if we had won this game by five points or two points, people would be saying, really, should we have Smith at 10? And then I genuinely could see Eddie Jones giving that as reason to not play Smith at 10 anymore um, and go back to Farrell and go back, uh, you know, just have something boring going on. Um, 
it's 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 I'm really excited about what we've got. We've got obviously tough fixtures coming up. I will be talking about a team that I would like to see play. Um probably in, in another podcast. But the final thing I want to talk about is the just the Australians' lack of discipline. I it wasn't a fair. It sounded like a primary school uh, student doing a science question, but it wasn't a fair test, in the sense that Australia looked awful. The amount of penalties and Isaac Rodder, <laughs> the, the Australian second row, seemed to be at the heart of every single problem the Australians had. I don't know what was going on, and they put up a stat at the beginning of the game. So oh, yeah, you know Rodder's in good form. He's started the last seven test matches. He looked awful. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this amuses me so much, but it does. To be honest, the Australians—they really look in like, to look to be a problem. I feel so bad for Michael Hooper. He's carried that team for so many years, um, and he's not really getting anything back. Because there was all this excitement about Australia getting better again, you know, after beating the All Blacks. Well, when was it? A few years ago, a year ago, um, and all, all this excitement about them going forward, and they just don't look like a good rugby team. To be honest, um, yeah, there's not really much more to say about that. Um, all joking aside, I definitely will be talking about the uh, the Cricket World Cup, talking about the New Zealand game, and I will be talking about the final as well, as much as it pains me. Then I will be getting a mate round, because when we did when I did my podcast with my mate uh, Tom on the NFL, and we were doing it over Zoom, because that was the easiest way I could see it being done, it just wasn't very... The audio quality was bad. I wasn't I wasn't able to use the mic that I'm using now. It was quite, it was a bit of a shame. Um I'm going to find a better way to be able to record stuff. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to get a mate round to talk about the Ashes and our Ashes squad and what we would have done with it. Uh, what we will do with it, sorry, and predictions and all that kind of stuff because I, I like, you know, having people on the podcast. I think it'd be great. Um, but, you know, I'll definitely be getting some more stuff out soon. Uh, if you could like this, share it about people who like rugby, uh, people who like listening to me waffle as well. Um, prepared to listen to me waffle for 22 minutes <laughs> or however long this one's going to be. Um, yeah, share me about uh, cheers guys. I'll catch you in the next one.